We are welcome, guys. Welcome to all of our new people. It's really good to have you. We love to meet new people, and so we're so pumped that you chose to join us tonight. Uh, we're in the second week of our series called Running with the Giants, and if you know the book of Hebrews chapter 11, you'll talk about the giants of faith. You know, Moses and Abraham and Ruth and all of these people that were the giants of faith. But what's so encouraging about that scripture is it actually says that there's a great host of witnesses. It's like, it's like all of these people, these giants of faith, sit in a massive stadium. And even as we continue to run out the purposes of God's uh, work here on earth through the gospel, they cheer us on. They cheer us on so that we won't lose faith, that we'll continue to run the race uh, in faith towards uh, the finish line of what God has intended for our lives. And so Matt would have mentioned it. I know that it was the same title for this evening's message. It's the same title Andre had for his message not, uh, last week uh, for Moses. Uh, but we had an arm wrestling competition and we said we'd put them both out and see which one uh, would be better. And so he chose Moses. I chose Abraham. And tonight I'll be teaching on Abraham. But the title is Living in the Faith Zone, Not the Safe Zone. Living in the Faith Zone not the safe zone. You know, this may be one of the most important sermons you ever listen to. Not because I'm preaching it, but because of the principle that I'm about to talk about tonight, we all face, we all experience this exact same thing. It's something that Abraham experienced, and that is this, how to navigate change in your life. I don't know about you, have you ever been in a season where you've needed to change and it takes you to a space that's unfamiliar and you feel uncertain and you're not sure where to go? Well, I believe Abraham navigated change and that we can learn from him. You know, there's only one thing that is consistent in life, and that's change. If you're ever looking for consistency, understand that consistency means change. It means that you have to have be prepared to change and move. You know, you may be experiencing change today. You may have joined us from another church, and this is your first time here, and it's changed for you. It's unfamiliar. Um, you know, you may be leaving a relationship that you've been in for a long time, and you're experiencing the transition of that change. You may be a stay-at-home mom um, that is now going to work. And now you're leaving the kids behind and starting to do a full-time job again. Or you may be expecting a child and you're actually about to go on paternity leave and you're experiencing completely different change. You may be leaving your mom's home. You may have just finished your studies and you're about to step out of the bird's nest and you're about to step out on your own and you may be experiencing that change. We all know Matthew's experiencing change as he got married two weeks ago. Come on. I don't know about you, but you could have moved from another part of the country, and you are in a completely new part of the country that you're living in. So I know that uh, Cape Town, it's so funny, I was teasing somebody this morning, I said Cape Town has become the most western part of Pretoria at the moment. Like, I don't know about you, but how many of you know somebody that's moved here from Pretoria? Um, they really love Cape Town, but you could be in that space where you are experiencing change. You may be single and about to be married, and you'll experience change. Maybe you're married and you're about to have your first child. That's big change. But all of us in life, whatever it is, we all experience change. And whatever it is, our ability to successfully navigate that change between the one season of life and transition to another season of life is ultimately impacted by your trajectory of our lives. It's a big word, trajectory. 
Uh, business analysts use this because they're always trying to direct where sales or where, where um, the direction of the performance is going in a business. And they use something called a trajectory. It, it, it kind of looks and projects into the future. And so a trajectory is a path of an object through space and time. But I love one of the dictionaries that I found this in actually said it's the path of life that a person chooses. Your trajectory is determined by the choices you make, and so the small choices you make can actually send your life in a different direction. So today I want to look at a common biblical character, Abraham, um, who experienced this. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to chapter 12 of Genesis, verses 1. If you don't have your Bible, sit next to a Christian who actually has a Bible. No, I'm joking. I'm teasing. The scriptures are on the board. All right, and it says this. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. What's not on the screen is the next part because I just thought I'd add this in. Not only does God send him and tell him, he gives him like this, this command to leave and go to a place. But then he gives him a promise and says, I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great and you'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I'll curse those and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Doesn't that sound familiar that maybe sometimes uh, God's pressing it on your heart at the moment is that you're in a space that you're about to leave what is familiar and you're about to step into a territory that you're unfamiliar with. So I want to give you five principles for if you are in that territory or you ever face that territory. Because I want to tell you something about change. Everyone sitting here today has experienced change. You're either going into change season, you are either currently in a change season, or you're exiting a change season. But either way, all of you will be able to heed the advice that Abraham can give us. And so there's five quick principles. When I say quick, you guys now I'll preach for an hour or two uh, on quick um, but the first principle that I want to give you is don't let your fear paralyze your faith. Don't let your fear paralyze your faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 8 says this, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he had, was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. The first thing we see in the scripture is that uh, the word that stands out to me, it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. Let's just stop there for a sec. It's, it's obedience to actually heed the call of what God's asking you to do. But what's so interesting about Abraham is that it didn't allow his fear of what was about to happen stop him from walking in what God wanted him to do. You know, just something, so many people believe that Abraham uh, just had a small family of about six people. These days, small families are six people. Huh? It's like, but a lot of people just think that Abraham just had his wife and maybe a couple of people that he carried with. But I want to give you more of an understanding. Do you know that Abraham, when he left home, had more than 3,000 people that he was overseeing at the particular time? The picture of what it looked like probably looked more like this, if we could bring that picture up onto the screen, is that when Abraham used to travel, it looked more like that. So I want to give you the context of when God said to Abraham, get up and go. Can you understand the level of obedience that's required to move? move a whole lot of camels, a whole lot of cows, a whole lot of sheep, a whole lot of donkeys, 3,000 people. I don't know, but I went camping once. 
well, I go camping often, but we go to this place in Jamaica in the Cedarburg, and it's absolutely amazing, and December time is really cool, and everyone brings their fancy tents, their canvas tents. Anybody ever put up those tents where you connect the poles into each other? What an absolute blessing, huh? Take you about five hours just to get it. The first day is just dedicated to putting the tent up. And then you watch people on their last day of camp and they go like, they've had such a great time and they don't mind going home, but they go, oh, I've got to pack this entire tent and camp up. Everyone's like, oh, that's a lot of work. But can you imagine 800 families that you're in charge of and God says we're going to go and all of them move on the faith that Abraham has that God's sending him to a new place? It's crazy to think that Abraham's level of obedience was to get up and go. Would you be prepared to get up and go if that was your, uh, your call? I think if God audibly spoke to us, huh? Dale, <laughs> get up, take your camel. I reckon that it takes a lot of faith to do this, and it's easy when God calls us to do things that are easy, but sometimes when God calls us to do things that aren't so easy, sometimes we can allow our fear to paralyze us in that decision and we come up with a conclusion that maybe God just said no. We come up with our own conclusion. I want to uh, point out a story quickly um, of a guy called uh, George Dancing. Um, George Dancing, this guy has affected your life in some way. If you've ever been on a plane or ever received something from a truck, uh, this guy was one of the famous uh, mathematical statistic guys who project, put projections together that allowed the air flight um, itineraries to be run on a certain system. Any trucking companies that are done today, any refinery companies, so if you've ever put petrol in anything, this guy has affected your life. But what's so significant about George Dancing is that in 1937, he was in the California varsity called Berkeley, and he was a statistic student under a Polish-born professor. And at the time, Jertzing was this Polish-born professor, was busy teaching a class. He was famous for what he was doing, okay? And he was teaching a class, but in one of the lessons, he wrote on the board, he scribed on the board, two of the world's most unsolvable statistical problems. He put them up and said, no one's ever been able to solve these, and they're impossible to ever be solved. And so he was teaching the students, George arrived late for class that day. <laughs> True story. And all of you, anybody ever arrived late for class? I know some of our year to, serve, uh, to serves arrive late for work and they like sneak into the back. If any of you understand that, George Dancy gets in and he slowly opens his book, but he misses the disclaimer that what's on the board is two of the world's most unsolvable statistical problems and he writes them down as homework, thinking it is homework. Do you know what he went and did? He went and solved the two of the world's most unsolvable statistical problems. It's crazy to think that he actually solved these problems. It took him a bit longer, so he handed in the paper later, and he thought he was in trouble. And so when uh, Jurt Singh figured out that he had solved, one of his students had solved this, he runs ecstatically to his dorm room, bangs on his door. George opens it, and he's freaking, freaking out because he thinks that he's in trouble because he's handed it in right, only to find out that he solved two of the world's most unsolvable problems. And you know what his response when asked, did you know that they were unsolvable? His response was this in his words, if someone had told me that were two statistics, uh, famous unsolvable problems, I probably wouldn't have even tried. I probably wouldn't have even tried. You see, 
What's impossible with God? Creek, creek. <laughs> Everyone's like, mm, let me think. Well, I'll tell you what's impossible with God. Absolutely nothing. The Bible actually says what's impossible with man is always possible with God. There's nothing that is impossible for God. And I want to tell you that sometimes we just make our world impossible. We say things are unsolvable. They're not able to be done. But there is a world that is impossible, and that's the world that God wants to work in. That's the world of faith. That's the only place that you can activate when you step out of a safe zone into a faith zone. And that's what God wants for you. He wants you through obedience to step into his promises. Hebrews chapter 11 um, verses 1 says this, now faith is being sure we will get what we hope for. It is being sure of what we cannot see. Too many times we live in the way the world tells us to live. If you can see it, you can achieve it. Anybody ever heard that? But that's not the truth because God says, if you believe it, then you will see it. All of God expects us to walk in faith and not to be walked by sight. A lot of us want to first have it all sorted out first before we take the safe uh, walk. But actually, God wants to call you out of your comfort zone tonight into a faith zone that you may not be able to see yet. But God wants, to, wants you to live in that space. We need to be clear, um, clear first and foremost do not confuse the fact that when you are afraid, you just say that that's God's permission not to move. God wants you to keep moving. And if you're going to navigate change in your life, you're going to have to overcome fear and actually take the steps. If God's calling you to do a big missionary project, take a step. The second point is discern God's direction as best you can. Now, what I mean here is that we all know that sometimes it's hard to discern with 100% accuracy what God's discerning to you at a particular time, unless he speaks to you audibly. And if he does, I'd love to speak to you after the service. <laughs> but I think as best you can with the information that you got at hand, you need to discern God's discernment first. What does he want from you? And that's what I believe. Abraham's relationship allowed him to step in faith because he knew that God could do it. And some of us just need to get into a relationship with God. And how do you do that? Through prayer, through fasting, through talking to other um, godly people with wisdom and also practicing the principles in the word of God. This is how you discern. A lot of people are saying, but I don't know what God's got for me. I don't know my direction. And I'm just saying to them, okay, well, what's your quiet time say? Oh, I don't have time for that. Okay, you want God to direct you, but you haven't taken time to get to know God. That, that doesn't work, guys. I want to let you know that it's only through the relationship of God. That in 2 Peter chapter 3, it says that you, we access his power through the knowledge of God, through the knowing of God. All of us want the power of God, but nobody of us take time to know God. But when you know God, there's a different power on your life. There's a different level that you can walk with. There's a different faith that you take steps with. And so with that, through the principles of the word, through past, fasting, um, through talking with wise people and praying, search your heart, your own desires, and look at the peace that God gives you amidst all the confusion, the chaos, and all the different fears you are experiencing to try and discern the intent that God has for your life. Look, Abraham didn't wake up one morning and just go, hmm, I'm going to move to another country. 
I believe that it was in his relationship that he discerned that allowed him to take this step. Notice what it says here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called. When he was called. You know, I, I used to work for a, a really cool company. I absolutely love it. I say it all the time up here. But it was such a cool job. Actually, I would have done it for free. If they didn't pay me, I would arrive there every single day. I was in the fashion buying industry. We got to travel the world. We got to work on strategies. It was the coolest thing ever. Some people go, oh, what are you talking about? Walking around in shopping bags. For me, it was the coolest thing ever. And I tell you what, I still love it to this day. But I didn't leave it because I didn't love it. I left it because I was called to God's purposes. I left it because God had something else in store for it, and he had opened a door. But it took many years for me to actually take that step. And it, I, was, I had to get over the fear. What about what's going to happen with the kids, school fees, when we do this? But I had to step over that boundary line in faith because what I know now is just God has superseded my expectations. But it took a faith step before God activated it. Remember when God goes into the promised land with Joshua, he tells the Levites who are carrying the ark, he says, first put your foot into the river, then you can, I'll make a path for you to the promised land. A lot of us want the promised land, but we don't want to take the faith step. It's only at the faith step that God parted those waters that allowed the promises to become activated in what they're doing. And I don't know about you, but maybe you need to take a faith step. Maybe you've been in a safe zone for too long. You need to put Jesus at the center. Number three, realize that you may not see the fruit for a long time. This is very important, guys. It says here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 again, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance. Notice it says later he would have received as his inheritance. He didn't just leave home and right away God started to bring the fruit into his life. You see, God, before he works on the fruit, he starts to work on the root. You see, you need to take a faith step, and in that faith step, God starts to grow a character in you. There's a depth that he starts to prepare you for. And when you start to take root in what God's promises is, then you start to see the fruit. But I want to remind you that sometimes that may take a few years. This is not McDonald's. You hand over your money, you get your burger. God doesn't work like that. God's got a bigger plan. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His thoughts and his ways are higher than our ways and our thoughts. You know, I, I used to be part of a small Baptist church in Milneton. It was such a cool place. I'd been saved there and I was, I was working my guts out. <laughs> to see the community saved. I loved God so much. I couldn't leave that church. And so uh, there was a time where God was closing that door. And I was like, God, no ways. I'm staying here. You've called me here. I'm not moving. And I continued. I'd preach there. I'd teach there. I ended up becoming a deacon there at the age of like 20 odd. But I completely was sold out to the vision of what God wanted to do for that community. And then God one day said to us, you're not in this community anymore. And I was like, that's not you, God. Why would you tell me you aren't in this community? You see, we had moved to Tableview and we had moved from Milneton. So our kids were no longer connecting with the kids in Sunday school. And so we realized we, church is about community. And we can't let our gen, next generation raise up without living in a community. Otherwise, church is just something you do. It's not something you are. And so anyways, God moves us to this church and I said to Abby, Abby's like, let's go check that, that View church out. I said, I'm not going to go to that church. It's too big. No, it's too loud, too many people. 
I don't know, when you get to the gates of heaven, there's going to be a lot of people there. I don't know, any of those that like small churches, I want to let you know, God loves big churches. He loves people. He loves lots of people. And anyways, we came here and we got plugged in, we got connected. Our kids loved it and we've grown. And so eventually I made a step to move out of this Baptist church. It was the hardest decision. I was like, snort and trana. Most of you, if you've actually heard me preach a few times, I've probably cried for you. It's a pleasure. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, but but the, I was sitting there, and I couldn't even let Abby speak on the day because I was so passionate. I just loved that community. I loved that church. But you know what's so funny is I didn't realize the fruit of the decision until 10 years later. Now I'm able to look back on my life and actually see uh, what God has completed and the trajectory he's taken my life in. And now I'm able to see the fruits of how God has blessed me and my family through this decision. My friends, whatever decision God may be challenging you to make today, it may be very well lots of years before you see the result. But as I look back now, God needed me in View Church at that time. He wanted me here for a purpose, but I couldn't see it, but it took a faith step. Ten years later, I'm looking back and going, thank you, Jesus, that you have called me from this and that you have prepared the way. You see, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. There again. It's faith, guys. If you want to walk Christian, walk a life with God, it's by faith that we need to learn to walk. Hebrews chapter 11, 8 also ends off saying, and he went out not knowing where he was going. How many of you don't know where you're going right now? How many of you have a vision for the future? Maybe you're in this space. You're not exempt. Abraham was in that place. I was in that place. But maybe that's the place God wants you. Maybe that's the perfect place to set you up. Maybe it's in the space now that what you need to do is just discern what God wants for your life. And in that discernment, he's going to get you to take a step. And in that step, he's going to take you into a faith season. And in that faith season, he's going to open doors that he can only open and close doors that only he can close. But I want to tell you, the door that he opens, no man can shut. And that's the door that God wants to lead you to. I believe he has promises are yes and amen for your life. So if you're feeling confused, it's okay. Trust God. Just trust him in that season. Number four, embrace discomfort of faith. It says, by faith he went, in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 9, it says, by faith he went and lived in a land of promise, as in a foreign land living in tents with his two sons, Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of his promise. Verse 10 goes on to say, For he was looking forward to the city that his foundations were the designer and the builder, which was God. Now I want you to notice it actually says here that he lived in tents and that he was a foreigner. You know, there was discomfort in what he had to do, but he was prepared to do it. You know, my son, uh, wake, he, again, this morning, wake up, half past five in the morning, gets to my bed. He's got his, like, I don't know, I bought him these, like, really tie-dye pants, which are quite obvious from H&M, but he's got this little bag, and he stands there next to the bed, and he goes, Dad, get up. It's time to go to church. I'm like, what are you doing? He says, I'm serving. I'm a leader. He's 11, but he's caught the passion 
that there's a leader. And you know what? On his day off, he's prepared to get up at half past five in the morning to go and serve a church, to set the church up. He, he goes there and sets a, helps set up the coffee bar with Camo and Zintley. He gets there, but he's prepared. You know why? Because he's sold out to the vision of God. He's got faith to believe that God can do immeasurably more than you can ever ask, imagine, or think. And he's got a passion for it. But you know what else he's got a passion for? His parents. And the thing with Abraham is why his generation changes is because Abraham didn't tell him, tell his kids to do something. He lived a certain way. I want to encourage you. Some of you are wanting your kids to walk in the ways of God. Maybe you need to walk at first. Deuteronomy chapter 6 actually says that you, don't, you impress the word onto your children, not by Bible bashing them, but by impressing them with what God is doing through your life. If you serve, your kids will serve. If you activate faith, your kids will activate faith. If you want your generation to change and them to change their generation, then you need a lead. You need to make a decision today to live in a faith zone and not a safe zone. God is calling you right now. He's not calling you tomorrow. He's not calling you. He's calling you as you sit here right now to get out of your comfortable zone. He wants you to start stepping into a faith zone in the same way that he called Abraham. And my question is, are you prepared to be obedient to that call? Know that God is going to prepare you in your season and it will be uncomfortable. I promise you, it'll be so uncomfortable. But it's in that space you're going to learn the most. It's in that space that the Holy Spirit activates His work through you the most because you don't have to have it all together. You just have to be with the one who keeps you together. And that is Jesus Christ. Abraham also lived with the end in mind, and that's what I love about it. Do you know how much land Abraham actually owned? He's one of them recorded as one of the most wealthiest people on the planet. He had cattle. It says that at one stage he had become so vast and so blessed by God that him and his nephew Lot couldn't actually go into territories together because they would destroy all of the agricultural area. Because their, their grazing flocks were too big. They were too large. They had been blessed abundantly. But do you know how much Abraham owned in land? One piece of land that he bought, a tiny piece of land to bury his wife, Sarah. Some of us are so key on trying to just buy things up and accumulate things here on earth. Abraham didn't have that vision. He had a vision of heaven. He had a vision for the one where God was the builder. He actually had a vision for heaven. And we need to start living with the end in mind. Some of us get so caught up on trying to measure how we measure up on what we've accumulated. Abraham didn't use what he accumulated for himself. It said that he was a blessed to be a blessing. You see, where God could get to him, he got through him. And so all we need to do is be available vessels. My last point is this. Your change may be for the next generation. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13, it says, These all died in faith, not having received these things promised. These meaning all of the people of faith. David, all of them. Every single. It said, these had died in faith, not receiving the things promised, but have having them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers in exile on earth. I want to let you know that if you feel uncomfortable on earth, that's okay because you don't belong here. 
You were created for heaven. You were created for God. And one day you will return to God. And so stop getting so caught up on just about you and what you can control here and allow yourself to be used of what God can do in your life. When you become a blessing, God can use you. But sometimes what He's going to use you in is for your next generation. Some of us are waiting to see that promise come to fruition, but God may be saving it for your next generation. You see, because of Abraham's decision to leave home, he was setting himself up and his future and his children's 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 trajectory to be changed. The trajectory of his family was not just changed in his life, it was changed in many generations to come. Do you know how I know that? Because all of you are sitting here tonight. All of you are sitting here because of one man's faith to completely obey what God wanted. And so through him, a whole nation recognizes a God that works through a nation. And from that nation comes Jesus Christ, who through him we have our salvation. And I want to challenge you today. Embrace your fear of the unknown. Embrace the discomfort. Embrace God's timing. You may or may not see the fruit immediately, but embrace the fact that the decision you make today may just alter the trajectory of your life. Is that good? Hey, do you believe God can change your life? Hey, I believe He can change it in one choice, one decision. And so tonight, I really believe that for you. So let's close our eyes and actually pray and trust God. If you're sitting here this this evening and you're going, I just want to step more in faith. And you just want to actually say, God, I want to acknowledge that I'm here. I want to pray for you. And you can just do that by popping your hand up now. Just acknowledge to God. Just say, God, here I am. If that is you and you would like prayer this evening, I'm not going to call you up. We're just going to pray for you from the front here quickly. If that is you on the count of three, one, two, three. You can pop your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the faithfulness, for people recognizing, heeding the call that what you have for their lives, Lord. I pray you bless them and extend their territory, Father God. But I pray that their obedience starts to grow to another level, Father God, as they discern what you want to say to them through their lives, through prayer, through the word, through connecting with healthy relationships. I pray, Father God, that you would anoint them for this next season. I pray that their generation's generation will be blessed. They're going in and they're coming out because of what you are about to do. Church, with the eyes closed and your head bowed, I want to let you know that one of the best decisions to change the trajectory of your entire life is through the decision to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because without Jesus Christ, eternity is not part of your trajectory. I'd love to say it in a very fancy way, but that's pretty much what it is. Your eternity is determined by your relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you tonight to make that decision. The Word says that He stands at the door and He knocks. And that He's faithful to finish what He starts. And I believe that when He created you before the foundations of the earth were laid, He had called you by name. He knows how many hairs you have on your head. He knows you on your innermost like nobody else can ever know you. And He loves you like nobody else can ever love you. And He seeks you. He stands at the door and He knocks on your life. And He is seeking you every single day. He wants nothing from you. He just wants something for you. 
He wants the promises of God to be fulfilled and the destiny and your purpose to be changed, that trajectory of your life to walk in the purposes of what God has called you. And if that's you tonight and you want to accept that relationship, I want to give you an opportunity to just quickly raise your hand on the count of three. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Three, you can raise your hand. Just pop your hand up and pop it back down just quickly so that we can acknowledge who we're praying for tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else? Thank you. Church, why don't you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for the victory at the cross. The enemy's lost. Your power's here. And I believe that when I accept you, I accept your power which comes through salvation. I recognize that I'm a sinner. And sometimes I fall short. But Lord, I want to change my ways. And tonight I choose you. Will you come into my heart? And will you transform me from the inside out as I serve you for the remainder of my days? And all God's people said, Amen. Can you guys give God a praise? Let's give God a praise tonight. Guys, if you said that prayer, we are so pumped for you. Um, Andre always says that, you know, in baseball, you don't hit a home run and then not run the bases. You actually hit a home run, you still have to run the bases. So I encourage you to run the base tonight. And you can do that by, we're going to have a salvation room uh, ready for you guys. And our team will be there. They're going to open up that door, the salvation door. um, And we'll have a team ready to pray with you. So if you want to, and maybe you weren't, you're nervous to raise your hand tonight. That's okay. You can go through there. And we'll have a team that are going to love on you and they're going to care for you. If any of you need prayer after service, please come to the front and we'll have a prayer team here ready just to pray with you, uh, whatever you're going through, that we can trust God with you. Other than that, guys, have an amazing week. Have the best week. Look to the person next to you and say, same time next week. Come on, same time next week. Let's give Jesus one more praise and we'll see you next week. God bless.